0: Sitting in class, John listened while his science teacher taught about space. Watching documentaries, John pretended he wasn't interested, but he was. After school, John enjoyed watching Robotech because of the apocalyptic future it portrayed. The movie's portrayal of future travels to the moon, which merely consisted of buying a ticket. Earth's plans of voyaging to Alpha Centauri as the colonization of Mars were within their grasp. The journalists announced breaking news on television while John watched laying on the floor. Tanks crushed through neighborhoods and everything in their path. Fire rose into the air from exploding buildings. Innocent children and babies bleeding with dirt in their faces. Sirens of ambulances in the distance as they rushed left to right and cameras continued to film. Turning to look at his father, John Casey asked, Why are they bleeding and the building's on fire? Jack's children knew way too much because of his forwardness. Jack answered, Those children are injured because they were in those buildings as bombs. Those children are being killed, John asked. The parents sacrificed the children, Jack explained. They used them as human shields. The innocents of youth never think about God, John and his siblings became annoyed just hearing the word. Stella's unruly children ignored the mention of God, which usually meant that she went into another depression. Christian evangelists brought tears to Stella's eyes as she listened to them. Frustration overwhelmed John as he remembered the past. Stella's dependence wasn't in the church as she was dependent on God only when depressed. Jack and Stella stayed home but felt it important to force their kids to church on Sunday. To John's parents, the church was nothing more than a way of teaching their children right from wrong. Uncomfortable church pews filled with people who despised bowing their head. Blessings and prayers for forgiveness to sinners who walked to the altar for repentance. John's fierce resentment for God though, he didn't believe that he existed. John's thoughts of God as a kid were either of hate or not believing at all. Fuzzy and emotional feelings for God never happened, though. Anger arose within John as he heard television evangelists preach. Fears of ridicule and rejection caused John to silence and ignore his emotions as they continued to build like a volcano waiting to erupt. John's emotions and inability to express them would occasionally enter his mind with his mother's depression. Emotions were tedious tasks for John which everyone else in his family seemed to do well. John's hate for his first girlfriend Dana Albiate and her constant whining and complaining. Dana hated her life, house, parents, school and none liked her. To feel normal John dated Dana which caused feelings of awkwardness and shame. John was unable to connect with other people while Dana was a lonely girl. John Casey talked to himself, sometimes asking, Why can't I find a girl that I enjoy being with? The news of death is usually delivered unexpectedly with disbelief. The abysmal news arrived when John's sister and Liverpool told the family, I think we should all sit down, and announced, Before I say this, the family's dreaded suspense as they sat down. Stella quickly asked, What's wrong? Well, Anne replied, we received a call today from Illinois. Already knowing what was about to be told and before, and said everything Stella broke out into tears. The tears fell painfully from Anne and the family as she told them of their grandparents' death. The cold, dark emptiness of nothing inside, but shocked is all John felt. The shameful indifference of feeling nothing. John pretended that he was about to throw up. John was bothered by indifference than anything else. Alcoholism and drugs were always in John's mind with a history of getting into trouble, which began at 17. Emotions of the past hurt and blocking them through desensitization became a part of who John was. Tess and Heath Barker's death, John's grandparents, would cross John's mind. By blocking the memory, though, John's pain slowly dissipated. John was no longer a teenager as his addictions to man grew. Days and hours filled with minutes occupied John's alcoholic obsession. Cigarette butts leftover tobacco saved from the day before were still in the baggie. Thank God, John murmured as he woke up. Sunlight of early morning fell upon Richard as he laid on the ground asleep. Sean ventured out on his own a few days earlier because he was upset and jealous. The lonely desolation of homelessness disappeared when John started hanging out with Richard a week before. Meeting Sean and Richard during the first two weeks of time living in Los Angeles were life-changing. Richard was a lifesaver as he taught John how to survive on the streets. John ran out of money and was scared to death. Emotions of fear began to flow soon after getting off of the Greyhound. The need for money will compel people to panhandle. Searching dumpsters and ashtrays wonders to survive. Richard showed John the ropes of how to survive on the streets. John searched for blankets in dumpsters while panhandling to wash them. A washed blanket's warmth comes first, Richard always said. Then clothes if you find them. The blankets and clothes dirt was washed away as they now spend their money on alcohol, pot, and tobacco. John felt embarrassed as he panhandled while searching dumpsters and ashtrays stench. Fear of not having alcohol was greater than the embarrassment, though. Tiny was the person who amazed John the most, a tall black guy who enjoyed cocaine. On the streets of Consequence's drug's effects, other than pot, made john nervous john pictured in his head of doing meth or cocaine then going into a blackout and ending up dead in an alleyway tiny asked if he could hang with richard and john and they agreed the only condition though tiny couldn't do any cocaine dope dealers in alleyways caused problems for tiny as they patrolled and waited five dollars or two bucks for a nickel or a hit and the deal of the century. Tiny's lips were his enemy when they were chalky white because everyone knew when he was high. John remained silent, though. It bothered him. Please send money, John asked over the phone. For a bus ticket to Kansas City. Know this might be good for you, John, Chris answered. How is panhandling, garbage diving, being homeless and without money good for you? John asked in an irritated voice. How much of this can you take? Chris listened to John responding. Let us see what you can do. Can you help? John asked and suggested. You worried about the drinking. Find help with that when you get home. Chris adding. Money isn't available to me right now either. You are the boss, Chris. I love you. John answered waiting for a response. Chris didn't answer the I love you part she just asked. John, can you call back later? Back in Kansas City, just off of the bus, John sat waiting for Chris Evans, his ex-girlfriend. Thoughts of rehab weren't a part of the many things on John's mind. Conversations endings ignored as night's darkness endured. John's past life was never forgotten or regained. A promise from an alcoholic is nothing more than water passing over a stone surface. Chris is on the way. John told himself. The drinking was out of hand. John was in denial while in need of help. The drunken rages were countless over time. Chris would sleep in her car some nights then at home. The night John went into a rage as he choked Chris never crossed John's mind. The love in John's life amounted to none when Chris said she no longer loved him or wished to see him anymore. Amazing things happened to John at 29. Alcoholism doesn't discriminate according to age, race or gender though. Lessons and teachings of life never learned in church or school but by hitting rock bottom. Detox and rehab, John yelled. The schedule of a job corporation counselor not wanting to be late for work Chris picked up John downtown on her way to Excelsior Springs you promised to get help, Christ replied. Talk at this point was endlessly pointless. Chris wait until you get off of work, John replied adding. You can talk about it then. The agreement was that you get your bus ticket and you go to treatment, Chris insisted. There is no more discussion. Chris worked as counselor waited as she dropped John off at the nearby convenience store. Morning's delights were when John was dropped off at the convenience store. John walked into the store to buy a 40-ounce can of beer and never stopped. When Chris' work day was over, John was drunk. Chris dropped John off in Westport on her way home. While on the streets, John Casey met different people, alcoholics, drug addicts, and homeless veterans. People from detox centers, treatment centers, and homeless shelters Those which nobody gives a damn. Reprobates also desensitized and not caring for themselves or anyone else. John listened to stories from individuals which made sense to him. Charles Jones was in the Imani house at the same time that John Casey was. It was hard to determine if he was there for addiction or just for shelter. Charles showed signs of mental illness but never of alcoholism or drug addiction. The people he ran with before were a bit shady, but other than that John didn't see addiction. Do you know what the greater good means? Charles asked John. I would say that it's self-explanatory, Charles. John replied. Charles chuckled as he continued. The world is becoming overpopulated, for the greater good people feel the need for sacrifice. John asked after hearing what Charles had to say. What is the greater good, and who should live, and who should die? Organizations determine that, John. Charles answered, the World Health Organization estimates who will live and die 50 years from now. Scientists use the environment and carbon levels as their tools in decreasing carbon levels below what is needed to keep the population alive. Ben Mathers frequently sat outside for most of the day. He didn't enjoy the pleasantries that Benilde Hall seemed to offer. An old war veteran of the Korean War, he didn't relate much to the Vietnam veterans. Vietnam veterans to Ben were a different breed than his generation. Ben sat outside instead and fed the birds each day with bread from the cafeteria. Do you know what is so amazing about animals, John? Ben would ask, What is that Ben? John responded with another question. Ben answered John, Animals are all programmed by God. They know when to sleep, eat and play, and when to do each. Humans are taught these things while animals know what to do naturally. To John as he spoke, Ben's words sounded like a revolutionary way of thinking. That's a great outlook on things. John responded, Ben didn't take the compliment or leave it. They didn't mean much to him anymore. Those buildings were built with pride, weren't they? Ben asked. A battle of rage and chaos under those strong foundations. America has been in a bubble isolated and away from troubles in the world. Two buildings fall to the ground and the earth rumbles and shakes. John usually listened to Ben without opinions or comments because he respected the man. It opened John's mind up to a new way of thinking. It was strange to John as he listened to a veteran speak of such things. Ben wasn't the warmongering veteran that John believed them to be. Ben continued with what he had to say. We discovered two enemies under those foundations. Enemies full of hate and neither more furious than the other fighting over a rock neither wishing for the battle to end. With this battle ended, the earth would no longer rumble and shake.